This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. Bold enough. Bold enough to share. Bold enough to share our, our homes. In our uh, mission here at First Emmanuel, we talk about reaching in. So we want to talk about today. So I want to begin this way. I want you to take just a moment. We're going to pause for a moment. I would like you to think about the most meaningful relationships that you have right now. What are your most meaningful relationships? Just pause for a moment and think. Maybe those are relationships at work because you're with a team and you're striving toward a particular project. Uh, Maybe it's uh, neighbors because you've known them for a number of years. Maybe it's people you vacationed with. I'm really hoping that first and foremost, what came to your mind were the people within your home. That should be the place with our deepest commitments, our thriving relationships should have those homes where after a long day at school or a long day at work, we say, I can't wait to get back home. Homes are important. And, and this is nothing new. I'm not telling you anything new at all. You know that. But every once in a while, I think sometimes the things that we know and maybe the things we take for granted are brought home to us. And it was for me a few years ago, just a, a couple of years ago, um, Carl Rayski, our missions director, and I, we were on the south side of Milwaukee in a pretty rough neighborhood, a couple of crack houses there, and uh, there was a gentleman who had rented a home, and that was his outpost for Christian outreach. I had a chance to talk to a, a man who was working there. His name was D'Angelo, and I asked him his story. Why are you volunteering in this particular ministry? And And he was more than happy to share his story. As a matter of fact, he shared his whole story. He talked about being a young boy and growing up in his home and seeing his other friends as they grew up joining street gangs. And he vowed that was never going to happen. I'm going to stay connected to my family. But he said as he grew older, he kind of recognized what was going on with his family. His mother and grandmother were crack addicts. His father ran around with different women. He said it got to the point where I didn't even want to be in my house. When I'd come back from school, I'd just go out into the streets. I'd come home just to sleep and get up and go to school. And then after a while, I didn't even bother going to school. But I found my family as a street gang, something I vowed I would never do. He said at 17 he was involved in a drug deal that went bad and he shot a man and killed him on the steps of a church. As a juvenile, he was sentenced to two years. He was released when he was 19 years old. He said, I went right back to the same people. As a matter of fact, he said, I became my grandma's dealer. 2.30 in the morning, he was walking down the street And he said he feared being attacked by someone. And when he saw someone in the shadows, he turned and fired. And he said, I missed them, but they didn't miss me. 
shot me in the leg and turned out I was firing on a police officer. He said, I went to prison for 13 years. Best 13 years of my life. He said, it was there that I found a new family. There were Christian people that came and prayed for me that my leg would get better where he was shot. And they prayed for my soul, that my soul would be better. And they took me to Bible studies and devotions and to chapel. And he said, as time went on, Jesus captured my heart. He said, I don't think I was ever going to be released because when you fire at a police officer, that's a pretty serious offense. And he said, I was released. And now I've committed myself to being able to help others through this home where we gather the neighborhood. What is our home? Well, first of all, it's the seat of civilization. That's something D'Angelo understood, which is why he and friends had this home in the middle of a very difficult community. See, communities are only as strong as the families that comprise them. Strong homes make for strong communities. I think this is what God was illustrating here or, or directing when he said to the man and the woman after he created them, be fruitful and multiply. And then he went on to say, fill the earth and subdue it. And I believe the idea of subduing is creating homes that would create communities and cultures that would be focused on the Lord. Over the past few months, maybe you've heard it too, there's this growing trend that the nuclear family should be abandoned and abolished. How many of you have read or heard anything about that on the news? And, and it goes like this, <laughs> that traditional families are from Western traditions and we need to get rid of them. And that's not true whatsoever. Traditional families are based on biblical understanding of family, God's design for family. I was reading through Wall Street Journal. I came across this article. It said, Researchers have well established that children raised by married parents do better on a wide variety of outcomes. They've got stronger relationships with their parents, particularly their fathers. They're also much less likely to experience physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. They have better health, exhibit less aggression, are less likely to engage in delinquent behavior, have greater educational achievement, and earn more as adults. They are also far less likely to live in poverty. The article went on to quote a Princeton University sociologist, Sarah McClanahan, who said this, very interesting. If we were asked to design a system for making sure that children's basic needs were met, we would probably come up with something quite similar to the two-parent ideal. Do you know why? That's the way God designed it. That's what the home is all about. The best ways to stay healthy, right? Eat right, get exercise, get rest, just how God designed it. But it's the same with families. A healthy home is a healthy life. And that's because our homes are incubators of faith. You know, we provide for all kinds of learning for our children, educational and intellectual and athletic and recreational. We want the best teachers and 
coaches for our children. We want them prepared for the world. But the best way to prepare them for the world is to steep them in faith. Met with a young couple. And we were going over their, their wedding ceremony, but we were also talking much deeper. We were talking about marriage itself. And I, I said to them, you know, being a parent, when, when you become a parent, it's a wonderful thing. It's just a, it's just a blessing from Almighty God to be a parent. And she said, well, Pastor, we've, we've talked and we decided not to have any children. And I was going to ask, Why? You know, I was going to ask why. Because you think children will suck the social life right out of you? Because it's true, they will. Or do you think they cost too much and you won't have money to spend on a nice vacation? I didn't even have a chance to ask any of my questions because she said right away, we don't want to bring any children into a world like this. And I can understand exactly where they were coming from. But I had to remind them that a child's world for 18 years is the home. That's their world. And a home that's filled with faith and hope and love is a wonderful world. Being prepared for the world isn't simply equipping children to get jobs with big paychecks or moving into big homes with fine amenities or drive cars with an amazing resale value or build bank accounts swelling with cash. The best way for our children to be prepared to meet the world is to nurture them in a faith that seeks the Lord's kingdom and His righteousness first, understanding that everything else falls into place. Teach them to value the Lord above all else, to treat others with respect, and to employ Christian morals and values, standards and ethics. I had the privilege, um, when my oldest daughter graduated from Milwaukee Lutheran, I had the privilege of being their commencement speaker. Evidently, everybody else was out taking a walk when they were trying to find someone. I was probably the last phone call. But my address to them was this. Some of you have been in, in Lutheran schools your entire life, grade school, high school, and you are going to hear this, now you're going to enter the real world. But I want to tell you, you're already in the real world. Jesus is the real world. The stuff that happens out there is a facade, a veneer. Homes with Jesus are the real world. Who's in our home? Well, it's family and friends. It's really everyone who enters your house. These are the people that we get to influence with a, with a life-giving faith in Jesus Christ. This is that whole reaching in that we talk about here at First Emmanuel. It's about loving one another. And it is family and it is friends. It's also our small group ministry that we call reach groups. I want you to understand this. When God resides in your home, there's a whole lot of blessings. Doesn't mean there aren't going to be any challenges. There'll still be sicknesses and maybe some financial challenges and maybe some relationship bumps and bruises that go on. 
But it, it means this, that we can assist one another through every one of the challenges that we encounter in life. We can point one another to the promises of God. That even in the darkest days, in the deepest valleys, He never leaves nor forsakes us. And He uses everything to draw us closer to Him and to one another. You know, I read through the Gospels, Jesus visited a lot of homes. He went into the home of a tax collector, Zacchaeus. And when he came out, Zacchaeus was a changed person. He was called to the home of Jairus to heal his dying daughter. And when he got there, the child was already dead. But Jesus went in and gave her life. See, if Jesus is part of your family... It's life-changing and life-giving. So what happens in our homes? Well, we learn from Jesus. Daily devotions. Prayers with our children. Praying with our spouse. Diane and I have devotions in the morning, and every once in a while, one of us is flying out the door and we maybe miss and when we come home in the evening, sometimes we talk about how missing that time affected the rest of our day. I remember, I still, some of my fondest memories of growing up are, are bedtime prayers. Pray with your spouse. I was talking to someone about, are you praying with your spouse? No. I said, well, give it a try. A couple of weeks later, I saw the person again. I said, how's it going? They said, that was really uncomfortable when we began. Now it's very important. Levi, in our text, Matthew, it seems after he was encountered by Christ, after Jesus bid him to come away from the tax collector's booth and follow him, seems like Matthew must have had a party. He must have called all of his sinner friends and tax collecting friends and Jesus met with them. When people come into our homes, do they meet Jesus? You know, in our homes, we care for one another. I want to talk to you about my other family. Don't worry, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that have two families, but I do have another family, my small group, my reach group. It's a wonderful family. We've been together for 12 years. We've cared and prayed for one another during illnesses and surgeries. We've been there when we've lost parents, when there were job challenges. We've also celebrated together when our children were married or our grandchildren were born. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. And this week we celebrate that one of our own is cancer-free. Whether it's good or bad, whether it's times of joy or sorrow, we pray for one another, we embrace one another, we remind each other of God's love that's found in Jesus Christ. That's my family. I know I can call them, any one of them, at any time, and they will do everything they can for me. I think that's what our epistle meant when it said in that opening verse of Hebrews 13, let brotherly love continue. I love the word continue. It's not just every once in a while. It's continuous. Let it continue. Let it snowball. Let it grow. Let it flow. 
I know so many people who miss out on the joy of life because their homes are not these places of continued brotherly love. I want to share two instances, I'll finish with this, of the impact of a home. So when I went to the seminary, at the seminary, I don't know if they still do that, but in the seminary we had these faculty advisors. It was always someone you could go to. And Dr. Klotz, who was the acting president of the seminary, was, was my uh, go-to faculty advisor. And the, the first week of seminary, there was in my mailbox, there was a handwritten note where Dr. Klotz and his wife was inviting me to a dinner at his home, along with five other students. And I got to his home, and I walked in, and it was an elegant home, and the dining room table was set as if it was Christmas Eve, the fine china and the aroma of steak wafting through the house, and I could see the dessert that was going to come, and it was amazing. And we sat at the table, and Dr. Klotz, which I thought he was going to give us this big speech on how to act as a pastor, Instead, we just had casual conversation. Some years later, it dawned on me. That was the first lesson I was supposed to learn in the seminary. Be someone who will open your home. While at the seminary, I became rather close to the, to the instructor that taught us how to write and, and deliver sermons. And I know some of you maybe thinking I must have cut a few classes. But Reverend Rosso ended up being a dear friend. Every Thursday he would open his door to my roommate and myself and we would play cards and we would talk about life until 11 o'clock when he would say, go home and go to bed. Those are two episodes that have left an impact on me. Who can you impact with the love of Jesus? Let us open our hearts and open our homes. And let's make a difference for this world. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.